Welcome our guys down to the uh, cafe and also uh, in Stevens Point who are joining us by video. Uh, Celebration Church is a multi-site church. You say, what does that mean? That means we're one church, but we have different locations. And every, instead of everybody trying to get into one spot, uh, we've got different uh, places. We've got one in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. We've got this, the cafe on the other end of the building. Uh, we have uh, other locations in the works, even as we speak, getting ready to launch out and to grow this con- congregation. Each congregation has their own live worship and minister and stuff there. But when it comes time for the sermon, we all connect via video so we can all hear the same message because we're the one church all together. Anyway, praise God. Looking at Luke this morning, the 15th chapter, we have the story of the prodigal son. We're going to read this. We're going to read through it first and then I'll come back and, and give you some thoughts on it. Jesus is talking. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Well, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What an incredible story. Let's take a look at this. First of all, he says to his dad, Dad... Give me my share of the estate. I want to check out of here. So here's a guy. He was convinced he could do better on his own without his father. Boy, if that doesn't describe a whole bunch of people. 
who think they can truly do better on their own than without God. Why would I need God? I don't need God. I got everything I need. Got money. I got friends. I got everything everything together. And he goes out and he starts to party. And he squanders everything he has. Loses all of his money and wild living, the Bible says. Here he is broke. A famine comes to the land. He can't get a job. Can't make any worthy income. The only thing he could find to do was to feed pigs. And Jesus said, as he was feeding the pigs, he would look at what the pigs were eating and go, man, I I wish I could have some of that. The Bible says he longed to fill his stomach with pig pods. Don't know what a pig pod is, but some pigs eat. It's amazing, you know, what people will do in a vain attempt to fill their lives with meaning. A lot of people go out and they're trying desperately. They feel this empty hole inside of them. They know something's not right. And they try desperately to fill their life with some kind of meaning and go out and and find some kind of joy, although it be artificial joy. A lot of people will go out. A lot of people this morning got a headache waking up around Wisconsin. Last night, partying hardy. Going out and getting loaded. Can't remember a thing. Puke their guts out. Wake up this morning, their eyes look like road maps. They look in the mirror, their money's gone, and they go, Wow, must have had a good time last night. (laughs) This is their idea of a good time. Can't remember what they did. People who do drugs, destroy their bodies, what are they doing? They're trying to fill their spiritual stomach with pig pods trying desperately to find joy, satisfaction, meaning, people doing all kinds of crazy things, risky behavior. Then Jesus said, he finally came to his senses. How many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death. Came to his senses. At some point, it has to dawn on you, what I am doing is not working. And that seems to be the hardest connection for people to get today. You know, people oftentimes come to me and asking for advice and counsel and stuff. And they, they talk of how unhappy they are and how miserable they are. Even Christians who are struggling so much. And then you, you try to get them to change their behavior. And they look at you like, well, I don't want to change that. I don't want to do that. I like what I'm doing. I just want a different result. Well, you can't get a different result if you keep doing the same things. And it's the hardest thing, it seems like, for people in the world to, to, to get. I don't know if you ever watched Dr. Phil. I kind of get a kick out of this guy. But uh, he's got this great line. People do the stupidest stuff. And he asks him, well, how's that working for you? How's that, you know, and it's such a brilliant statement. It's like people look at him and go, oh, I guess it ain't working at all. We do some of the dumbest things, some of the most destructive behaviors, some of the meanest things. We treat ourselves, uh, uh, we, we treat each other in such horrible ways, wonder why our relationship stinks. Don't want to put any effort into our jobs, wonder how can we never get advanced. Never pray, never read the Bible, go to church on occasion, wonder, how, man, I don't feel God much, I wonder how come. Well, what are you doing? This guy's doing all the wrong stuff. And finally, he comes to his senses. 
What I'm doing is not working. He realized I've got to change what I'm doing. And let me challenge you. If you're struggling, particularly in your Christian life, be open to the Holy Spirit. Speak into your heart. Let God touch you. Let him challenge you. If you're not happy with what you're getting, you've got to change what you're doing. Albert Einstein, the brilliant uh, guy who, who said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing but expecting different results. You know, everybody in America just wants different results, they just, but they don't want to change. It doesn't work that way. So he says he's going to go talk to his father and he rehearses this wonderful speech. So I'm just going to tell him, look, I, I, I know I'm not worthy of your, being calling your son anymore. I've blown it. You have every reason in the world to be angry at me. But if you could just make me like one of your hired guys, if you could just give me a job. And, and he has this whole speech rehearsed into his brain. And Jesus says he gets up and he goes to his father. And I love this part of the story. Jesus said while he was yet a long way off, his father looks up. He sees this image coming towards him in the distance. And somehow he knew right away it was his son. Now this father had every right in the world to be furious at this young man. He had taken everything his father had worked his life to give him in terms of inheritance. He blew it. He went out, spent it foolishly on prostitutes, wild parties, getting drunk. He humiliated his father. He humiliated his family. He embarrassed the name of the family. If there is anybody who had a right to be angry, it was the father. This guy was way out of line. He hurt me. He wounded me. Amazingly though, Jesus said, when that father realized who was coming, It says he ran towards him. Not away from him. Towards him. Here comes his son just sheepishly. And dad comes running up to him. And he throws his arm around him. And he hugs him and he kisses him. And and the son starts to give his, his, his rehearsed speech. And says, Father, I know I'm not worthy to be your son. And, and, but he interrupts him. He can't even get his speech out. And he says, come on guys, let's go. We're going to have a party. Get everybody together. We're going to celebrate. Get the fatted calf and kill it. It's the only one not enjoying the party was the fatted calf. But, uh, and we're going to celebrate and have a great time. And this son is suddenly overwhelmed by the love and the compassion of this father's heart. What is Jesus trying to tell us? No matter what you've done, God wants to be your father. If you turn to God, he'll run to you, is the story here. You know, don't be like Adam and Eve, you know. In the beginning, every day the Bible says God would walk with them and they'd kind of just hang out with God. How cool that had to be. You know, you're doing your gig and all of a sudden God shows up, just chilling with God and and all this great fun. And as soon as they fall and they do what they know is wrong, instead of running to God and saying, Father, I'm so sorry. What's the Bible say? They he they hid from him. They're hiding from him. Yeah, you're going to hide from God. 
Like God doesn't know where you are. But that's the reaction. So often we want to turn our back and run away from God when we know we've done wrong. Don't be like that. We need to be like the child who runs towards the father. It's like when a little child gets an owie, he runs to the parents. We had a few owies the last couple of days. And uh, little boys would come running. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. Nanny, nanny, nanny. You know. It was just always a rush, you know. You're the hero now, you know. But, uh, so the son says to him, Father, I don't belong, deserve to be your son anymore. But this father who should have been furious reaches out to him. Well, the interesting part of this story is when the older son hears it, the brother. The brother hears the partying. And he comes in and says, well, what's, what's the deal? And a, one of the servants says, hey, your brother's back in town. And Pop's having a party and we're all celebrating. And the brother gets furious. And refuses to go in. And the dad has to come out and plead with him. To come in. And he says, I'm not going in. He says, look. He says, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never once gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. I love the father's answer. He says, look, everything I have is available to you at any time. Here's the kicker. Here's a guy who could have had access to anything the father had, but he just stayed busy, just stayed working didn't really take the time to enjoy the benefits of being a son. There's wonderful benefits to being a son. You know, in in my parents' home to this day, you know, they're in their 70s and I'm still a son. I can walk in a house. First thing if I want, I just walk up to the refrigerator and open it up. (laughs) You know, why? Because I am a son. The son gets to come and check out what's in the fridge whenever he wants. I remember when I was a, uh, uh, you know, young guy at home, and my dad is a, was a doctor in uh, Nielsville, Wisconsin. Nielsville. And, uh, um, you know, and, and if we were sick or something, I had to go to the clinic, and we wanted to see dad. It was so great to be the son, because you would get, show up at the clinic, and all these people are sitting there, and they've got appointments. They waited for weeks to get in to see my dad, and now they're sitting there, and they're waiting there for hours, and I could just walk in. And if I walked in, and some new lady was behind the desk, she'd say, well, can I help you? I said, yes, I would like to see Dr. Gunger. I said, well, if you have a seat. No, no, I, I'm his son. Oh, oh, the sun. And I got to go in. And you walk past everybody, how y'all doing? All, all the poor poppers out there, you know, I'm, I'm the sun. I don't got to wait, you know. And there's, there's wonderful advantages. I mean, how goofy would it have been if I would have come and got my number and sat there quietly and, and, and just waited for hours and hours and hours. You say, well, that would have been nice to the other people. Yeah, but I'm a son. I don't have to do that. There's advantage to me. How many times we in our faith act like paupers, like we're second-class citizens, like we're, we're off kind of just hoping that God will maybe, 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 maybe answer a prayer or maybe be concerned about it. We don't take advantage of being a child of God. There's a great scripture in First Peter. He writes this, he says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, 
you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. I mean, one of the things that should mark a Christian's life is this attitude of celebration, of joy, of this party attitude in your heart, if you will, of loving life. As a believer, we have access to God. And God will answer our prayers and we can have this wonderful relationship with him. This is a very, very cool thing. And if you really start to understand what it is, it'll stick a smile on your face. Life starts to feel differently. Why? Because you're a son. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. It's a whole different world. And you can, I'll tell you, um, before I became a Christian, you know, I got saved at a fairly early age. I was 16 years old. But I wasn't a very happy guy, honestly. And uh, I struggled and I was down a lot and I would, you know, cry myself to sleep as a teenager. I just bummed and not, not knowing just because of this big empty hole in my life, you know. And I was trying to fill it up just like everybody else, you know, with partying and doing drugs or whatever, you know. We were hippies back then, you know, and, and trying so hard. And I remember the night someone explained to me that I... I could have my sins forgiven and really know God and and I could follow Jesus and have this wonderful experience my sins forgiven wow and and I asked him to come into my life certainly I didn't deserve it but I could feel God running towards me and hugging me and changing my life and I'll tell you I got this eternal grin slapped on my face ever since then that was 30 some odd years ago And, and it's a wonderful thing and I just I like to be happy and my happiness isn't dependent on my surroundings you know, a lot of you guys, you let your surroundings dictate your happiness. If things are going good, you're happy. If things aren't going good, you're depressed and bummed out. Don't be like that. So it's easy for you, Pastor Mark. Everything always goes good for you. No, 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 no. At times, my life stinks extraordinarily. Honestly, if you only knew, if you only knew when people hear some of the stuff we deal with uh, as I travel around the country you know and I'll share with them some of the struggles and stuff and, and I often get asked well man how do you sleep at night and I, I sleep great I sleep great I, I, I'm, I'm filled with joy I've got peace why because this isn't you know all dependent on me if my life succeeding was all dependent on Marky we're doomed This church is doomed. We don't stand a chance. It's not all dependent on me. It's dependent on him. He loves us. He's on us. It's like having Superman or Spider-Man or whatever kind of super kind of powerful man in your life as your best friend. Hallelujah. James says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when your life stinks. What? 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 Consider it. It doesn't. He doesn't say, "Look, when you face trials of many kinds, when things go wrong and everything's horrible, you know, try to keep up, you know, uh, uh, an upper lip and sing tomorrow, tomorrow." No, he says, "Consider it pure joy." How do you get there? <laughs> How do you, to have an attitude of celebrating when, when your life stinks? Some of you, that means you need to have a party every night because your life stinks all the time. <laughs> So this is great. Why? Because it's not dependent on me. Your chance for a miracle is when you need a miracle. Everybody says, I want a miracle. I want a... Yeah, that's wonderful. The bad news is you don't get a miracle until you need one. Instead of looking at our need for a miracle going, yes, this is a chance for God to move in my life. We go, 
I need a miracle. And getting all depressed. You're not going to get a miracle that way. Are you just the son out there working and slaving away and never really enjoying and experiencing God? Man, a lot of people, they get just enough of God, you know, to keep them out of hell. <laughs> they do. Hey, a lot of people, the church is just fire insurance. <laughs> you know, make, pay the premium and it gets you out of hell in the end. You know, that's... That's not Christianity. That's just fire insurance. It's life. It's true joy. If you live it as a real son, don't be like the son who he could have had anything the dad had at any time, but he just, I'm just over here. If I can do it on my own, I'm just busy over here. Ephesians says this. Paul was praying for the church. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you can know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. He says, man, I pray your eyes will be open so you can see what you have. Reminds me of this story. I, was, I heard a story about this guy. I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it's kind of a cool story. He's walking along late at night, you know, maybe without drinking, I have no idea, but he's like, you know, a couple hours before dawn and he's walking on a, an old railroad track and he just kind of cruises along and all of a sudden he stumbles and he starts to fall over and he quick grabs himself he uh, grabs onto the thing and uh, otherwise he would have just went boom all the way down and, and he's, but he's not strong enough to pull himself up the most he can do is lock his hands together and here he is hanging and he's screaming and he's hollering for help but nobody can hear him and he's just hanging desperately and, and he hung on for like, you know, the next hour and a half, whatever it was, until the sun starts to come up. The agony in his arms, the pain in his hands. He endured this horrible experience because the alternative is, you know. Until finally the sun comes up and he's hoping someone will see him. And as the sun comes up, he looks and he's like a foot over the ground. <laughs> How's that working for you? That's as, as Christians, that's us. We're just saying it and we're working way too hard. Relax a little bit. God is on your side. Galatians, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Abba is what the little boys would call their daddies. Daddy, 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 daddy. daddy. To have this kind of celebrating heart. I'm going to ask our ushers to come up and get ready to serve communion this morning and our musicians to come up. Uh, Also at the cafe and over in Stevens Point. Everybody get ready and we're going to do our communion time here. So let me ask you a question. As we're getting all this stuff ready, where are you at today? Do you think you don't need God? That you can do things better on your own? Again, how's that working for you? Are you tired of filling your belly with the junk the world has to offer? Do you really want more out of life than what you're experiencing are you afraid that God doesn't want you or won't accept you because of all the wrong things you've done like the prodigal son the first son comes home so dad you know I'll just beg for a job surely dad will be angry at me or do you already know God's forgiveness but you're failing to take advantage of all that God has for you like the second son you're one or the other this morning as far as this message is concerned. The message today is very simple. If you already know Jesus as your personal Savior, make sure you live and enjoy the life of faith God wants you to do. And if you don't know Jesus, then let me encourage you this morning. Come 
home. The Father is waiting for you. If you'll just take a step towards Him, God will run towards you and surround you with His arms. He wants to forgive you. If we only understood how much God wants to forgive us and help us succeed, He's not some old crotchety guy up there just ticked off at everybody. He loves you. I have no idea why. He just does. Just be glad I'm not God. I would have killed us all a long time ago. But he doesn't think that. He so loved mankind. He sent Jesus, comes to earth, takes on the form of a man, and allows himself to be brutalized and hangs on the cross, the tree, as the Bible says. His body broken for you so you could be whole. His blood shed that could wash away all of your sins. Say, well, I'm not that bad. I can take care of it myself. No, you can't. There's not anything you can do. You can never be good enough. You can never earn it. You can't buy it. There's nothing. Without Jesus, we're doomed. Your sins will pull you under. But because of what He did, He's made it possible that we can all experience forgiveness if we'll just put our trust in Him and ask Him to forgive us. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer as we get ready to take communion this morning. If you've never taken that first step of faith in your life, that first step towards God, I'm going to encourage you to open up your heart and experience God's love as He runs towards you. Let Him forgive you. Let Him hold you. Let Him make it right. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, I admit to you this morning that I need your forgiveness. Your Son, Jesus, died on the cross so I could have forgiveness. I ask you to come into my life and forgive me. Thank you, Heavenly Father.